Well, hello there. Thanks for joining me today. This is going to be an interesting show because all of these words that these people use have different meanings. And before I get to that, let me cover a couple of things here. Um, today I'm going to be talking about PAN. P-A-N. I kind of offhandedly refer to PAN, but it's actually a pretty huge deal. But before I get there, um, just so you're aware, and some of this isn't going to be in a particular order, okay? I tried to pick out the parts that didn't sound as insane <laughs> as some of the other parts in all of this, okay? Saturn is clearly who they worship, right? The color is Saturn. One of the ancient Hebrew gods. We keep going back around these Hebrews and the Jews and stuff, right? Likely a reason why all those trainloads of Jewish possessions went running out of Germany into Switzerland, right? Dear by the announcement, hey, the war is coming. You want to safeguard your things? Put them on a train and send them to Switzerland. They're neutral, right? Then after the war, the Swiss say, oh, what are you talking about? We don't have your inventory here. So, the big setup, right? War is always a big setup. So, um, yeah, and who, who adjudicates these things? Well, the judges, right? What color do judges wear? Well, they wear the color black. <laughs> uh, black represents Saturn. Saturn is the old Semitic god. Saturn was a god in ancient Roman Roman religion. You'll also note we keep rolling back to Romans. These are Romans we're looking at hiding as Jews, okay? Haven't left that, so don't think I've moved away from that theory of mine, okay? So, because where does all this stuff originate? Well, out of Roman mythology, right? Saturn was a god in ancient Roman religion and a character in Roman mythology. He was described as a god of time, generation, dissolution, abundance, wealth, agriculture, periodic renewal, and liberation. Because they go by all these different names to describe the same thing, right? Because we've talked about things like Osiris, O-S-I-R-I-S. Osiris is where they get that one eye symbol from. You'll find that one eye being flashed by these people. They're covering one eye just to show one eye. Um, the one eye on the back of the U.S. dollar bill, that would be an homage to Osiris, right? But also the name Pan, P-A-N, and Lucifer are also the same one, okay? Because there is this other name, Phosphorus, which is pretty interesting, Phosphorus is also one of these names, also called Lucifer, Phosphorus, and Pan. And Pan is also Phosphorus and the morning star. And you'll notice on Christmas trees they have that star at the top, right? And Pan is also Baphomet, which is worshipped by Satanists. Therefore, Lucifer is Satan. See how this all goes? Baphomet is the goat headed person, okay? And all of these little word games all mean Satan, okay? Which all 
also I did that show about Satan, Santa, and all that stuff, okay? Because, interestingly enough, judges donning black robes is a tradition that goes back to judicial proceedings prior to the initial sitting of the U.S. Supreme Court in 1790, okay? There's no record of whether judges did that black thing prior to that, okay? And that wasn't officially recorded until 1792. But the robes weren't a total solid color. From 1792 to 1800, the robes were black with red and white accents on the sleeves and the front. Red and white we also know as colors of Saturn. We'll see how this all starts to tie together once we get on the right trail here. Also, when you graduate from high school, you come out processionally with a black robe, which is black for saffron, the god of the Hebrews, requiring that you wear these square mortarboard on top of your head. The square mortarboard are, of course, used by the Freemasons for their plaster. So that is why you wear a square mortarboard when you graduate, ultimately becoming an alumni. You like the word Illuminati, alumni? So it has to do with something about the control of education, okay? Um... So anyway, so there's all those word games that have to do with that, okay. Um, there's all these word games that have to do with university, with masters and all that, degrees, all of those brainwashing techniques that, you know, they essentially go through. Um, judges have a Masonic hammer or gavel, which they hit to declare the word the word of law. The idea of law comes from the biblical ten stone commandments and so it is said that you break the law. Judges always sit on a three-tier high platform representing the first three blue degrees of Freemasonry. The same tier pattern is found at Congress and the altar in most Catholic churches. So these tiers are, it's, symbolism is all over the place. And there's also, I've talked about this in the past, when we enter a courtroom, it's a nautical thing, right? There's also a gate around church altars, just as there are gates with swinging doors in every courtroom. And also, um, priests wear black robes. So do judges, right? There is also a gate around, I just said that, okay. Oh, a gate around church altars, just as there are gates with swinging doors in every courtroom. The congregations at church all stand up to recognize the priest, just as all rise when the judge walks in. Then the judge takes a recess because he is in court playing a game of tenet, ten Ness commandments, ten, ten Ness commandments, with lawyers who play the dialectic protagonist antagonist game, bouncing the advantage into each other's court. 
In the courtroom, witnesses must place their hand on the Old New Testament before giving their testimony. Just as a pre-sermon is often called testimony, also notice mon from moon in testimony and sermon. As a witness swears in, one hand is placed on the Bible while the other hand is held up in church when parishioners feel the Holy Spirit, often during song, they will hold up one or both hands up to praise the Lord. Then when you get further into Saturn, you begin to understand that his color is black, that he is a god of one of the many different Semitic tribes or groups, and one of his symbols was a square. Then you get into this square black mortarboard that the university or high school students wear when they graduate. It is a square on his head and it is usually black, the color of Saturn, one of the ancient Hebrew gods. This is why churches and court courtrooms look the same today, because when you go into churches, you sit out here with the poor folks in the chairs out here in the pews, but you cannot go up into the lifted higher elevation. You cannot go inside the gate. You cannot go inside the little doors. Only the priest can go inside and officiate for you. You stay on the outside with the poor folks. The altar is always raised at least three tiers because in Egypt, that is the way it was always done. The altar was always raised so the people could see the representative of God dressed in black. The priest comes out of the altar dressed in black, and he is officiating for you. He is a mediator between you and God. That is the same thing that happens in the courtroom. You walk in, and you are part of the poor folks sitting out here in the audience. And here is the fence or gate that separates you. And speaking of attorneys, I didn't do it in the intro, so I'll do it here. The thing with Silicon Valley and the bank. Okay. Well, they're getting some very special privileges, right? Um, this is all a word game, okay? It occurred to me the other day, what does silicon mean? Well, it could mean silly, S-I-L-I, con, C-O-N. This is, in fact, a silly con. Just, just just, set that aside for now, okay? I, I may address it later. I just wanted to get it out there while I was thinking about it. We're on a game board. We're on a total illusion in a game board. Okay, so. Okay. The attorneys can go inside the gate and they are your mouthpiece to go to talk to God, which is also seen as a judge, and see if they can get you off and the lawyers will be the mediator between God or the judge who judges you and man. That is where all of this comes from in our society today. So, um, anyway, I've talked enough about this set and our little set, but here's the part that I want to point your attention to, okay? A lot that we understood has been hidden from us, right? Because we have this thing called the 
pineal, P-I-N-E-A-L gland, okay? And kind of an interesting story here with the pineal gland and the color black, okay? I'll wind there in a minute, okay? Trust me, it, it's, in, it's in this data here somewhere, okay? The sixth, and the sixth, number six is very important to them because Saturn is also the sixth planet from the sun. Saturn Day, which is Saturday, is the sixth day of the week. And NASA is supposedly <laughs> receiving images of the Saturn hexagram, okay, six-sided. So, the sixth chakra of the human energy system is the third eye, which is also known as our pineal gland, okay? And six times three times is 666, okay? You see that 666 all over the place, right? When your third eye chakra opens, you develop your sixth sense of intuition and spirituality. That is a key point that, and I would advise you to not necessarily put names or things to this because they've they polluted the name. So just, just keep this idea that we all have this full sense of intuition and spirituality, okay? And the goal has been to blacken that, right? Blacken that with Saturn to make us not remember any of this stuff, okay? So just, just hang in with me. It'll start to make more sense. And also because... Um, so... Um, and uh, because you have to be careful of these things, because they have angels that these uh, people talk about having rings around their heads. And Saturn is the only planet with a halo ring around it. So I would just kind of advise you to not put labels on this thing. Just call it your inner self, your intuition, okay? Just, just, leave, just leave it at that, okay? Because... Um, it has been an effort to get us away from all that, okay? Because, and I talked about this in the past, the ancient name of Saturn is El. And these people consider themselves the elites, right? And the other words that connect to them are things like elect, elder, elevated, temple, Circle, gospel, apostle, disciple, evangelist, all derived from the cult of El, okay? Angels are messengers of God, but God was El. See how it starts to become kind of crazy out here? So this El thing that we're talking about is who they perceive as their God, okay? Um, and this is where I've just been just, just going down to tons and tons of data just to kind of try to, um, because they always have the, um, when witches cast a spell, S-P-E-L, see the letters E-L, S-P-E-E-L, they put the hex, which is also a six, on someone. And when chefs deep fry something, they deep six it, right? All these words kind of start to interact here, right? So, the elites who run the world today, and this is just one perspective. The whole idea is for us to all develop our own ideas here, right? One thing is this elites, E-L-I-T-E-S, which starts with E-L, comes from the Israelites, 
which came from the Egyptian worship of the moon and the sun and Saturn. Okay? Could, could come from those things here. But here we are. We're back here again at the Jews, right? Israel. It's spelled I-S-R-A-E-L. Israel, right? Jews and Muslims alike worship a huge black cube box called Kaaba at Mecca. And they have this same, these Jewish gods, the Kabbalah. Um, it could also be said they are circling the square. So um, there's a lot of symbolism to these words. Let me try to get to the ones that seem to relate to all of this, okay? The Knights, we've talked about these people a long time ago. The Knights of Templar claimed the Dome of the Rock was the site of the Temple of Solomon and set up their Templum Domini adjacent to there. Saturn is an important key to understanding the long heritage this conspiracy has back to antiquity. The city of Rome was originally known as Saturnia, S-A-T-U-R-N-I-A, or City of Saturn. The Roman Catholic Church retains much of the Saturn worship in its rituals. Saturn also relates to Lucifer. In various occult dictionaries, Saturn is associated with evil. Saturn was important to the religion of Mitra and also the Druids. What that means, I don't know. Um, so you can start to see the pictures here that Saturn is not looking like it was good, right? Rome was known to the Rome was known to the Romans as Saturnia, not Rome, and Saturn was one of their gods. Okay. Black is both Saturn's color and Satan's color. Also, the Holy Bible is typically black on the cover, right? And that tells us Satan is 666. The sixth planet. Um, also, um, a bruise is black and blue. Bruise like the Hebrews. Why am I talking about this here? Well, okay, here it is. Okay. Just like the Hebrews, okay? Bruise, bruise, B R U I S E, and bruise, B R E W S, Hebrews, whose long standing secret societies are orchestrating this blue black agenda. Remember, Blue, excuse me, black and white means good and evil, right? And in this theory, we're talking about Saturn as being black. So we're definitely talking about the evil representation, right? The sixth chakra, the pineal gland, the third eye are all the same thing, okay? It is usually represented with the color blue, but they seem intent on painting it black, okay? And this will start to make sense here, okay? There was a Rolling Stones song, and the words went something like this. I see a red door, and I want it painted black. No colors anymore. 
I want them to turn black. No more till my green sea goes my green sea go turn a deeper blue. I want them to turn black. When you're hit, you get a black eye, supposedly, because the bruises use the other colors, but you call it a black eye, right? Because the black eye is your third eye. They're, they're trying to turn our third eye black. <laughs> so, the chakra, which should be colored blue, but they are changing it to black. The most important organ has, in recent centuries, shrunk in size from about the size of a quarter to the size of a pea. That would be our intuitive um, pineal glands. Okay. Um, Saturn is named after the Roman god of wealth and agriculture. Well, that, that sounds like these people, right? They're really into that owning the land and the money. And Father Jupiter can be traced back to Greek um, and I have something more about, and also it traces to this pan deal, okay? Pan also means Satan, okay? Pan is a universal agent known as phosphorus, which is also interesting because they use phosphorus to burn stuff, right? That gives light and life to the world. Like phosphorus does here on earth. The god Pan was often considered as a great principle of vegetable and animal life. The ancient city of Pan was known as Panopolis. And here's where we get into the goat business. Pan is also known as the Goat Amendus. This is very easy to find a ton of information. Goat Amendus, M-E-N-D-E-S. And it can be found today in the form of the horned goat god made famous by the Knights Templars called Baphomet. See, a lot of this stuff just kind of gets tossed around, right? This goat-headed person, Baphomet, these Knights Templars, well, they all basically mean the same thing. Kind of a word game, right? Because... Um, This is how the word game, they have this thing called word magic, okay? And that's why I was trying to say, that when I was reading this word magic, all of a sudden the idea of silicon flashed into my head, right? What is it? It's a bunch of people doing a silly con, right? They're using doled out information. They're pumping and dumping stocks. They presented themselves as the good people, but when really they represent the evil people, right? So, um, so it's all a matter of these word games. Okay, so let me, let me try to um, explain this Solomon deal, okay? When you're looking for the word on, okay? The word on, that's O-N, can be found in the name Solomon, okay? S-O-L-O-M-O-N. Phonetically, the word Solomon sounds familiar to the Latin word Solomon, which literally means David. Okay, so it goes from S-O-L-O-M-A-N, and it sounds similar to Solomon, okay, which, which literally means David. This art of using phonetics to hide the deeper meaning of words is known as word magic. 
the dark forces, we, who we would consider here the elites, or the group of demons, and their minions, the elite, are masters of using the art of word magic. So, yeah, um, and what this is all about, it's about using this word magic, and this is just my view, okay? Hopefully you have your own views. The reason they use all these different word magic tricks is because that, in essence, teaches us to worship the same demons as them, right? I mean, I'm simply trying to exert a little bit of logic into this madness, right? <laughs> so, but once we understand who they worship, all of these things we're surrounded by starts to make a great deal of sense, right? Because certainly they're pushing us into some pretty dark light here, right? So, okay, I see here. Okay. And there's also one other thing. And um, this person went on to say what they've discovered about many secret societies and all of the major religions of the world is that they all tend to trace to back or have a strong connection to the ancient cult known as the Brotherhood of Saturn slash EL slash Satan. The secret society had a strong connection to the Brotherhood of the Snake, and um, I didn't get I didn't get into the Brotherhood of the Snake yet. I, I suspect that has to do with, you know, I mean they're wearing snakes on the logos, right? Doctors as they're trying to euthanize us. <laughs> so, but I'll get back there if it's important. Um, and it went on to say, we human beings have been tricked to worship demons, which is why all religions have ceremonies that involve sacrificing animals or other living creatures to their so-called god or gods. The elite also like to sacrifice living creatures. Instead of sacrificing only animals, the elite also sacrificed human adults and babies. One of their favorite sacrificial rituals is war. Now, I didn't make that up. I'm reading what somebody else said, and I... <laughs> it sounds logical, and it sounds true, right? I mean, wars are really about what? Money and some sort of ritual and sacrifice, right? Okay. And this was interesting. Saturn always had a negative, if not evil, significance. In ancient times, it had been called the Greater Malisif, M-A-L-E-F-I-C, which was opposed to Jupiter. Jupiter is considered the Greater Benefice, B-E-N-E-F-I-C. Saturn is esoterically associated with man's limitations, restrictions, death, and decay. His Greek name was Kronos. This is why I'm very suspect. I mean, they put us on a linear time, and I don't believe that for a second, so let me keep going here. So this Kronos person is the same Greek name. As Saturn, right? You got you got to follow all of these names. <laughs> okay, so Kronos, the ruler of time, um, time being the main factor inevitably leading to the death of mortals. 
Traditional representation of the Grim Reaper originated from the attributes of the god Saturn, who held the sickle with which he slain his father. Yeah, these people are all Saturn. I covered this already. You know, killing their sisters, sleeping with the mother, all that stuff. <laughs> so, Pan, back to my original thing here, <laughs> was depicted with horns due to the fact it represented Saturn, the ruler of the house of Capricorn, which symbol is a goat. Capricorn, a symbol of the goat rising from the body of a fish. And I remember we had that fish hat too in that show that I did about um, the Pope wearing the same hat. And they also wear that fish hat, which is called a mitre, M-I-T-E-R. <clears throat> Probably where this comes from, right? Pan, and this is where it gets fascinating, Pan was the controlling spirit of the lower worlds. He was portrayed roaming through the forest, penis erect. Remember all those phallic symbols all over the whole world? <laughs> okay, he, he's running through the forest, penis erect, drunk and lascivious, frolicking with nymphs, and piping his way through the wild. We might say he ruled the lower nature of man, its animal side, not unlike Satan. A lot of interesting things come into play here with these penis symbols all over the place and the horns. And also, um, the flute that Pan played has also been known to symbolize the bagpipes. Remember I talked in the show about the cops also play those bagpipes? <laughs> it came from Pan. <laughs> okay. Now this piece kind of encapsulates it. Not necessarily in order, but just stick with me, okay? Saturn. The Roman god Saturn, and here again, Roman, right? I'm not saying the Spanish or <laughs> I'm saying the Roman, right? All roads lead to Rome. It does so appear, right? The Roman god Saturn has a long history and a festival all of his own. The Romans generally borrowed their gods from the ancient Greeks. I've been saying all along, this is basically a cut-and-paste operation, right? They have, like, um, Nuevo, new, new colonial style. They have a new, this style. It's just cut-and-paste. <laughs> but they kept the names the same, and they just added new to it, right? So the Romans generally borrowed their gods from the ancient Greeks, and almost every... Roman god has a Greek counterpart. Saturn's original counterpart in Greece was Cronus. C-R-O-N-U-S. Cronus was a titan. I wonder if this has to do with that fake Titanic shipwreck. Okay. Cronus was a titan. In Greek mythology, the titans were the children of the earth mother Gaia, earth, okay, earth mother, okay, and sky father Uranus, <laughs> Uranus. There were six of them, and Cronus was the youngest. Cronus wanted to rule the universe, so he overthrew his father, Uranus, and so his children wouldn't overthrow him, Cronus ate them. However, his son Zeus escaped and became the chief Greek god. Okay, so Cronus means time in Greek. 
So he's connected with these seasons and harvest time. Cronus became ruler of a golden age in Greece and god of agriculture and the harvest. So golden age, and we also had a golden age here around the 18-1900s, right? Golden age. Saturn was worshipped by the Romans as far back as the 6th century BCE. The Romans liked anything Greek and thought the Greeks were cultured and well-educated. And I've talked about this in the past. They, they supposedly had Greek tutors for their children. I, I, they're all the same people, I think. Okay. And so that's why they adopted the Greek gods. Not because they're copycats, right? <laughs> Okay, now here's where it gets interesting. <clears throat> okay, we have what's going on now, right? It's called a pandemic, right? Pandemic, right? And it was a great god, Pan, P-A-N, who lent his name to the word panic, P-A-N-I-C. Also, pandemonium and pandemic. Myths educate us about irrational forces that prompt fear, rendering them, to some extent, understandable. So, at the root of the word pan, from this great god, comes panic, pandemonium, pandemic. I'll go ahead and read from this piece. Oh, shoot, it's in here. The, the most elusive of all the gods is a half-human, half-goat deity known as Pan. A nature god, Pan, is usually depicted with the legs of a goat, horns, and carrying a Pan pipe. Pan is mostly forgotten in our modern world. A footnote in history lacking the rich mythology enjoyed by most of the old gods. But yet Pan is pervasive in the collective unconscious. He pops up in all sorts of unexpected places. Well, the best example is Peter Pan. <laughs> Peter Pan. Um, Peter Pan, the Disney person that plays the pipes, right? Okay, we also have the Piper of Hamlin, also known as the Pan. Oh, we have the Pied Piper of Hamlin, also known as the Pan Piper of Hamlin, also wearing a red no a red robe. You will note, okay. The connection to the Pied Piper may seem a little bit far-fledged until you recognize the theme. In all three of these stories, the Pan character leads children into a magical world. Peter Pan collects lost boys and brings them to the magical Neverland. Thomas meets Lucy as soon as she enters Narnia convinces her to go home with him, then exchanges her, excuse me, enchant, <laughs> he didn't exchange her, he enchants her with his pan pipe. The pipe piper also leads the children of Hamlin away into a magical world by playing his pipe. 
the sea. <coughs> Excuse me. The theme of seducing children has not gone unnoticed, and all three of these stories have been accused of being metaphors for pedophilia. And you could really go into a, I mean, <laughs> believe me, I've already gone there. <laughs> you, could, you could be spinning by this point. <laughs> and I say welcome to the club. Um, yeah. I, I, I've spun through literally, I mean, in, in the last week... <laughs> I can't even, you wouldn't want to look at my history file. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, we have this pan coming, and the pan is seducing children into a magical world, right? The word pan is Greek for all, as an all-encompassing, an affix that survives today in words such as panacea, and pandemic. While some scholars have suggested that the word pan may be related to the Greek for pasture or companion, it is merely conjecture. The surface level meaning of pan means all, fits a narrative. Okay. The remaining myths of pan paint him as a sort of happy-go-lucky character, frolicking through the forest, having sex with the nymphs, singing and dancing. What's more telling is what Pan doesn't do. He doesn't really do anything. Pan doesn't engage in power struggles, doesn't fight the other gods. He's not really in charge of anything. And he, listen to this, and he lives down on earth, not up not up on top of Mount Olympus with the other gods. That's so Pan is living down here on Earth, right? Pan acts more or less like the half man and half animal that he is, minding his own business and just doing what he does. Notably Pan doesn't fight. Yet if threatened, he lets out a scream so fearful that it induces panic which is the origins of the word to all who hear it I think it is worth I'm reading from this piece I think it is worth noting that many animals roar to scare away those they consider a threat or to express their displeasure myths and religions from a particular period tend to adopt the astrological symbol from that time which is useful for dating them Christianity, for example, used the fish symbol because it is from the ages of Pisces. Christianity, okay, and they wear that fish hat, right? Uh, the myth of Theos and Minotaur originates from the time of Taurus. I'm also a Taurus, by the way. Um, Pan has goat's legs and horns, meaning it's using Capricorn symbolism. That makes it one of the oldest myths, dating back from 20,000 B.C. In fact, it's right at the beginning of the current Platonic year. So, Pan then is perhaps as old as the oldest god, and indeed may well be the same god as a share resemblance. And they're talking about the Greek man. It's somebody who personifies religious... Um, 
And here's another thing about pan, which is significant, is that pan dies. And pan is the only... Um, the mythology of pan ties directly into the rise of Christianity, okay? It's pretty scary stuff, right? The goat person is who started this Christianity stuff? <laughs> okay. Okay, this is just more than I want to know, but... Um, It is almost as true in other sense that men knew... Oh, shoot, wait a second here. Oh, let's get back here. It is almost as true in another sense that men knew that Christ was born because Pan was already dead. That's one theory out there, that Pan died... And Christ was born, which would then lead one to conclude, well, Christ must have been the evil replacement of Pan, right? Okay. The most telling sentence here is, men knew that Christ was born because Pan was already dead. Or, to put it another way, Christianity killed Pan. They could not both exist. Well, it seems to me they're both existing, but okay. Um, for an apparent mid-level God of no obvious importance who doesn't really do anything, Pan has taken the full force of the wrath of Christianity. It is no accident that the imagery of the devil is a man with horns and the legs of a goat. So yes, the imagery we see through Christianity is Pan, right? <laughs> At least that's how it looks to me, so go look for yourself. Um, so, so, I think we're getting pretty clear here that Pan means the devil, right? <laughs> they even drew him the same. So. They're either very lazy in the graphics department, or we're looking at Pan really is the Christian version of the devil, okay? Because all they did was shift a few things around. Got the devil legs, got the horns. <laughs> okay. The image of the devil is the image of Pan. Yeah, look at it. There is no description in the Bible of this image of the devil. And yet, over 2,000 years, the people of the world have been conditioned into associating this very image of Pan with the image of the devil without Pan's name ever being mentioned. In fact, there is so little mythology, so few stories about Pan in itself, suspicious for a god who is so persuasive. Um that the church is so hell-bent on slandering, yet they dare not speak his name. Did the church destroy the mythology of Pan? Well, they just made it look like the devil. Why kill Pan? Pan is a nature god. Pan is part of nature, a personification of the spirit of nature, if you will. What you have here is a direct attack of man against nature. The death of Pan at the hands of Christianity symbolizes the point at which the spirit of man overpowered the spirit of nature. Hmm. Well, there's this thing called man killed God, okay? And this thing called um, and in the place and in the place of God man put himself Nature itself was then demonized, and man was taught to suppress his natural instincts. 
to follow the law of man above all else. Sex, a very expression of new life and generation, was twisted upside down and inside out to become a sin. A new order emerged over which now man has ruled the earth. I don't know where any of that goes. This is interesting. Technology became the new God. And love of self, the new mantra. Man now saw himself as a creator, no longer an animal, no longer part of nature, but above it all and able to bend it to his will. Who is Pan? All gods except Pan, just as human now, engage in a never-ending power struggle. Pan alone doesn't play this game. This is Pan's secret. Just the clues of the name Pan, meaning all, combined with the actions, or rather inactions, of Pan is enough to shine light on Pan's true identity. As long as you are climbing a ladder, you are always playing the game of the ladder maker. In any organization, you can only ever achieve position number two by being, by trying. The highest position you can rise to in a company is CEO. But what is a CEO if not just a glorified manager? Who does a CEO work for? They work for the owner of the company, the founder. Pan, the god of nature, is the only god that doesn't do anything. Why? Because Pan is the founder, the creator. So this pan person is the one that has created all these people that are falling to pieces right now, if I'm getting this straight, right? So pan, that's why they worship pan, right? Their founder. Okay. Zeus, the king of the gods, has to maintain his position as king, and he has responsibilities. He has a job to do. He's playing someone else's game. Pan's game. And it makes sense. Pan is all. Pan is everything. Pan is the one true God. Pan created the game we are in, the matrix, this reality. It is Pam's labyrinth, okay? And I'll tell you what labyrinth is in a minute, okay? And Pan, the story writer, the author of this world, doesn't play the game, but is the game master. The game master in any role-playing game is the one character who doesn't play themselves. Yet authors have a tendency to write themselves into their stories, and Pan is no exception. Pan wrote himself into the story, gave himself a character who does nothing but play, so he himself could could walk within his own creation. Everyone else is busy working, and Pan enjoys the show. And that is the meaning of the pervasive story of Pan's Pan's leading the lost children into a magical world. We are the lost children. Pan is the Pied Piper. And this is a magical world. This is Pan's labyrinth. So when Nitschke announced that God is dead, you know which God it is. The only God that ever died, Pan. Pan was killed by the Son of Man so that man could play at God for a time and do this everything 
and to do this everything was inverted. Man became God and the true God became the devil. God is dead. Pan was killed by the son of man so that man could play at God for a time. And to do this, everything was inverted. Man became God, and the true God became the devil. What's a labyrinth? A labyrinth is a complicated, irregular network of passages or paths in which it is difficult to find one's way. A maze. A labyrinth of passages and secret chambers. Look no further than Alice in Wonderland, right? Okay, um, okay, I think where I read this part, um, like the Greeks, the Romans also believed that Saturn once ruled a golden age. The legend was that Saturn fled from his angry father to become Lathian, where Rome was later be built, okay? Saturn was a complex god with different sides. For a while, he ruled Latium, L-A-T-I-U-M, and the Roman god Janus, J-A-N-U-S. Janus was a figure who looked two ways, representing the past and the future. So Saturn, as god of agriculture and the seasons, was also concerned with the past and the future. Saturn also had two aspects, represented by his two wives. His one wife, Oops, was a goddess of wealth and abundance, but his other wife, Lua, was a goddess of war and destruction. And although Saturn tried to civilize the people of Latium, as Cronus did, he did violence to his father, Uranus. Keep seeing dual sides here, right? The Romans built a temple to Saturn, which was located near Capitoline Hill in Rome. I think we already talked about this. Um, the Romans believed that if they prayed and made sacrifices to their gods, the gods would do favors for them. Saturn was a popular god and received many sacrifices of animals, wine, cheese, and bread in his temple. Unlike the other gods, sacrifices to Saturn were made by the Greeks right. That meant that the people conducting the ritual had their heads uncovered. Usually, the Romans worshipped their gods with their heads covered. Might be because where they were, where those yarmulkes now, right? Now they call them yarmulkes. If, if they're hiding as Jews, it makes sense that they keep their heads covered, right? Saturn's statue was draped with a white veil during the ritual. Saturn. They keep talking about his golden age being the abundance of peace, but I don't know that. Um, and, um, they, you know, there's a lot of tricking going on, right? Just like this silly, silly con, meaning Silicon Valley, right? Well, there's a lot of tricking. And this is a passage that I have here for whatever reason. It says, um, it was what somebody wrote about the Alice in Wonderland deal, okay? We were in a paradise setting and were bored. 
Due to our curious nature, we desire adventure in a world of wonder. So through wonder or imagination, we created and fell into this world of chaos, resulting in a lower frequency and a drowsy consciousness. We forgot who we are and are seeking a way to return home. When we tire of all this nonsense down here, we will regain our senses and reason and through wisdom become focused focused enough to wake up from this dream, whether we are dreaming it ourselves or are just characters playing various roles in God's dream and return home. We must believe in the possibility of all good world, even though it seems impossible right now in this duality. Um, I had some more here. Let me see. Yeah, this whole thing with the pandemic, um, And I think that um, you could go on for a million years over this um, pan business, but I think you get what I mean. Um, uh, yeah, so um, the guy named Harry Henry Liddell um, was a pseudonym for Lewis Carroll. He basically, there's a lot of math figured into that. What it all means, I'm not really sure, because both fell because of a desire and curiosity as a result of wishing to create their own world. Alice eventually gets so tired of all the chaos and nonsense that she uses reason or wisdom to wake up and return home. Nothing's impossible. So, yeah, um, is this all a dream? I don't know. I think that it is all a matter of... Um, where we see things individually right now, right? And I think that there's just a whole lot to unpack here, but I think I'm pretty clear in saying that um, Saturn is who we're looking at. This pan deal is pretty interesting. Like, why did they name pandemics after Pam? Because if Pan means Satan, what is it, Satan-demic? I don't know. There's a whole lot of symbolism here. Um, they, they want us to kind of think all oh, the symbolism is way out there and real complicated and you got to dig for ages, but just think about the words. They're pulling a silly con, right? And also another interesting thing, there were two banks this weekend that got bailed out. One is Silly Con Valley Bank, and the other is the bank, what's it called, Signature. And who basically runs that bank? Well, basically, attorneys. <laughs> Our, our depositors in that bank. So we got two scams going on right now, right? We got the we got the attorneys pulling a scam. We got the Silicon Valley people getting bailed out once again by the government. And here we go. So um, I also updated the pictures over at my website, psychopathinyourlife.com. If you want to click on the blog section, you want to see what an old lady's chest looks like with radiation. Um, you can take a look there, and um, we're, we're, we're really struggling here, so I'm going to have to close this out for right now, and there's a lot to unpack here. I have a whole lot to unpack myself, but I think the bottom line is we got them. <laughs> look no further than Saturn, right? And Saturn is black, and what are they trying to do? They're trying to cover up our pineal gland, which is our insight into all of our own information and stuff. They're trying to cover that black, right, with Saturn. So, yeah, this worked pretty well because I, I tried to look up how many people in this country believe in reincarnation, and um, supposedly about 25% of people believe in reincarnation. I think it's probably lower than that because getting this death trap 
going was important. And what are they doing during this time? Well, they're figuring out ways to block that pineal gland, which is our block to our connection with everything else. So, and these are all things that need to be thought through and considered. And that's what this whole effort has been about, the chaos and all of that, to blacken with this Saturn thing, our pineal gland. And I'll be back, hopefully, with more about that. But anyway, so I'd like to close out with one of my favorite songs, and it's called I'd Love to Change the World by the group called Ten Years After. So be safe out there, and goodbye for now.
this clip, there's there's a lot out there about the pineal, P-I-N-E-A-L gland, and this one is called The Secrets of Pineal Gland Scientific Proofs. Let me play that right now for you. Oh, well, it would help if I had some speakers on. Jeez. Okay. Hello, here with Moore's spiritual coach, Ronnie Hatchwell, coach, mentor, all of the above. Hi, Ronnie. Hi. This is so cool. You sent me this video yeah. like a few weeks ago, and it really kind of put it together in a way that you know we've talked about, people have talked about. We're, it's such a massive time of change and enlightenment. Absolutely. What does that mean, and how does the you know the pineal gland kind of assist us in that process? Well, we're going through an evolution right now. You know, I mean, human beings aren't meant to stand on in the same place. But um, we were being used to using our five senses up till now, and it's very limiting because, you know, we see, we smell, we hear, but what? So the pineal gland is actually, uh, it's located in the middle down here, and it correlates to what we call the third eye. You can't see the third eye, but it's what we call the sixth sense. That means that it's seeing beyond what the five senses see. And uh, what's happened is that, I mean, this is a secret that they've known in ancient Egypt. They know it in the Vatican. You, everywhere you go in the Vatican, you see this pine. pine. Right, and no one right. knew what it was. Yeah. I want to continue this because we actually have a clip in this video talking about just this. It's fascinating. Amazing. Fascinating. Yeah. Many ancient esoteric traditions and mystical schools knew of the potential of the pineal. The ancient Greeks believed it to be our connection to the realms of thought. Buddhists know it as a symbol of spiritual awakening. In Hinduism, the pineal connects with the third eye chakra, the seat of intuition and clairvoyance. Jesus proclaimed that the eye is the lamp of the body, so then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. If Rene Descartes is right, and the pineal gland is indeed the seat of the human soul, then these traditions are correct in believing that it serves as the connecting link between the physical and spiritual worlds. Fascinating. It's Amazing. fascinating. And why has science, like Western science, had a hard, such a hard time kind of saying, okay, there's something to this? Well, because somebody who deals in the spirit just has to say, I've had an experience, and he believes it, and he doesn't have to prove anything. The scientist has to prove it. He has to say, look, I can see it. It's here. I'm holding it. It's tangible. But what's, what's happened now is that science has come to a point where it has to start correlating what the spiritual world has been saying all along because they've reached a standpoint. That's what quantum physics is, you know. We say a mirror, you know, what I give out comes back to me. So they have to show a mirror, light going on it and coming back. They have to prove it. Um, it's not that they're behind. It's just that they need to understand. Spirit, spiritualism doesn't have to understand. It only needs to experience. And know. And know. But the yeah. knowingness comes from a belief that lives within you. You right. already have it. You come in with it and you're open to it. This whole thing about the pineal gland or the third eye is to show us that there is a law, and we're going to keep talking about this law every every spot, <laughs> there's a law of surrender. I can't get to that space of the sixth sense if I don't surrender what I think I know, because that keeps me in a space that doesn't allow me to know anything else. But if I want to really know the truth, I have to be mindless. And I have to be open to receive. And in that receiving space, I'm not looking at something the way I usually look at. I'm not looking at you through my five senses. I'm looking at you to know that you're part of me. Whatever I see in you is in me. Right. We're one. 
And that's where we're going to. And you can see the destruction of everything that's happening now in, in our world is leading us to show that those old laws don't work anymore. Right. Right, absolutely. Now, how do we explain this in a way to people that, you know, are not, you know, in the middle of a real conscious spiritual process? Like, what does it mean in practical terms? Like, how can people, like, access it in a way that, you know, novices in this process? Okay. Well, the first thing somebody has to ask himself is what I really want in life. Because we all want to be happy, right? Mm -hmm. And everything that we do in our life is to receive a feeling. We actually pay a lot of money to receive a feeling. We want to buy a new car because we want to receive a feeling. But guess what happens? After you have that thing that you bought, you want the next thing. So it's the happiness that you want. What if you could feel that before you actually go and do something? Mm -hmm. So now the reason is that we can is because it actually is in me. Because nobody puts a feeling in me, it takes it out of me. So the reason is that if I get to that space where I'm willing to be happy just because I can, I open that chakra. Now I can start messing with it. And it's about trusting what your intuition is telling you and getting your brain being like, what is this, this? I love it. And I love how it's like tied in. I mean, how did ancient Egypt know this stuff? It's unreal. They were not of this world. They weren't of this world. They were. Excuse me. It gives us a lot to think about, right? I think this is 100% why they have, what better um, way to block your pineal gland than to keep you busy full time on social media running from here to there. So just a lot to think about. Because if you look at the caste social structure of this country, who just got bailed out yesterday? Well, the people at Silly, Con, Valley Bank, and another bank, which now I don't know that all of the people in the signature bank were attorneys, but they did say that their base was mainly New York attorneys. So who wears robes? All the people in charge, right? So there's just a lot to think about. So we're all on a big game board. And I hope that you will um, give it a lot of thought. Thinking is free, something we can all do. So tune out and tune in and see what comes to your own mind about all of this. I think that we're here for some very specific purposes. Nobody is the victim in this story. We agreed ahead of time what was going to go on and so here we are right now. So I'm going to be signing off for right now and uh, things are pretty rough around here. Um, you know you got to be careful what you ask for right because I used to um, the good news is is that my house isn't insulated. <laughs> so you're thinking, wow, not insulated in Nebraska. Yeah, well, I used to think, well, that's a shame my house isn't insulated, but because there was nothing I could do about it, I just kind of put the thought aside. Well, the other day I had a thought, and I found it kind of funny. Luckily, I didn't beleaguer the thought that my house wasn't insulated. What I did was I just learned to adjust my thermostat, right? Because otherwise, in a non-insulated house in this part of the country, you could end up with a zinger of a utility bill. <laughs> so, so it served its purpose, right? Because I learned to live in a colder environment. So that's very good, right? And now that the radiation has entered my home through these meters and the um, transformer outside of my house, um, which all these things have pictures over at my website. Um, now that the um, they're transmitting toxins in full time, it's made it easier for me to survive in a room with the windows open and the heater down um, just to keep carrying on the game board because this really is, is in fact a big game board. So if fear becomes your game, I believe it will envelop your brain. 
And no matter how any, much anybody wants to say it, it has been beaten into your brain that death is real and they can get you at any minute. And those things are really not reality, but I'm not here to tell you what to do or how to think. I'm just sharing with you what I know. And I would suggest that you give it some thought um, because the game for me has become pretty dangerous and I probably won't be on the game board for <laughs> a really long time. <laughs> But you can look at it as a challenge. You can buckle in. You can change courses. You can set up a whole new game for yourself. Where are you going to get that information from? Well, I would say by keeping that pineal gland clear. Okay? How do you keep your pineal gland clear? Well, you first need to understand that it has been fogged with black by the Saturn people, right? So how do you get it clear? Well not that complicated get it clear right and then start to listen no one person is getting information it's available to every single one of us but unfortunately if you're busy full-time on social media in different places you won't get the same kind of a message right you won't get the same thorough of an approach of things to follow your own instincts on because for me every day is just a matter of following my instincts right Am I acting like it's all easy? No, of course not. That would be, you know, what they're trying to sell you now is that everything in life should be easy. For example, all this talk about, um, what they talk about? Um, not having to work very hard. Um, oh, they just call it like, go open an Amazon store and you could just make, make money while you're sleeping. That kind of thought permeates things. So the minute anybody has to put an effort into something, it seems like it's punishing, right? Well, I don't consider what I do punishing. I, I consider it interesting. So find your own interests. Explore those parts of your brain that maybe have been shut off for, for whatever reasons. Because as long as we're on a treadmill scrambling to survive, it makes it easier to cloud that pineal gland. So I'm going to leave that alone for right there. Everybody has to be able to make their own decisions. We're all here for a reason. And I don't know if I mentioned this in the show, but do you realize that it's gotten so bad in East Palestine that, you know, people who want to get dioxin tests on their own, because you can get tested for dioxin in your blood. So people who want to get dioxin tests on their own are being told that the labs are not testing for it. So if this doesn't look like a big collusion from the folks from Saturn all against the rest of us, I don't know what to say because I think people still have this idea that until it lands on their own doorstep, not very much interest in finding out what's going on. So I'm here to say, please consider this, that information can really and truly be your friend, but it takes a lot of digging. It takes a lot of digging. So just to sort out what all these names mean and stuff, it's taken me forever. So anyway, so be safe out there. Goodbye for now.